double drive. Left hand and flush over the top of Kepnang. Pull back, step back, three. Bottom! Mavericks, it's short. Tim Beckett, Weaver got it! Yes! Neely, the handoff. Jones for the tie. Oh, no. oh he's fouled! And one! Presents itself with what you gotta take. You can't. It's knocked away. Still loose. Doherty the heave. Oh my god! Welcome to the Straight Out of Whack Podcast. What's up, everybody? It is the Straight Out of Whack. We're not going to call it the podcast today. We're going to call it Straight Out of Whack Live. As we get ready to preview the Whack openers for basically everybody, except for Utah Tech men, Utah Tech women, uh, and the Southern Utah women and CBU women played last night. So welcome, everybody, to this crazy November day of Whack basketball. Like, it, it like. Oh, it's so exciting because like these games mean so much today, Saturday, and there's a couple games next week uh, because as we all know, eight teams make it to whack Vegas and that is determined by your conference record. So these games are huge. And usually these games aren't played till late December or early January. So teams are going to have to adjust on the fly here because these games mean a whole lot more than the non-conference slate. So Goodness, four women's games tonight, five men's games on the women's side. Things tip off at 6 p.m. Central when UT Arlington and Abilene Christian do battle at Moody Coliseum in Abilene. Stephen F. Austin and Tarleton tip off at 7 p.m. Central at Wisdom Gym. UTRGV at Grand Canyon and Utah Valley at Seattle U, both tipping off at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. On the men's side, um, there's five games tonight. Tarleton at SFA and GCU at UTRGV get us off to a quick start. Seattle U at Utah Valley at 6 p.m. Mountain Time from the UCCU Center. I'll be there. ACU and UT Arlington are live from College Park Center at 7 p.m. Central. And California Baptist at Southern Utah Tips at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time from America First Event Center in Cedar City. Uh, Daryl will join me in a little bit to talk about the women's games, kind of look back at Tuesday's title rematch between California Baptist in Southern Utah and Cedar City last night. If you want to read about that, go to our Substack page. The description's in the link. Um, Daryl had a nice recap about what went on there. Kinsley Barrington had a big night against her former team. Uh, I mean, it was just Chloe Webb went for 20-plus points again. I mean, it's just a it was a good game up until about the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter before the Lancers pulled away. So, a lot going on in these games that matter right now. Remember, like I said, only eight teams go to WAC Vegas. Those eight teams are determined by record and WAC play. So this WAC Wednesday and then December 2nd, Saturday, for most teams, December 6th for others, they matter like big time. Me and Spencer McLaughlin, who is the broadcaster for Southern Utah, we talked about that the other day. Or I should say yesterday before this, the CBU-SUU women's game. So uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, there's a lot going on. Kind of wild to think that, you know, these games matter so much in the grand scheme of things, uh, considering that, you know, coaches like to coach differently uh, now in November, December, compared to what they do January, February, March. So teams are still trying to figure out rotations. Teams are still trying to figure out roles, especially teams with newcomers, a lot of newcomers. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to watch how things play out on this WAC Wednesday. Uh, let's talk about one of the first two men's games of the night. 
first one of the first two men's games of the night. Tarleton at SFA. First off, we want to send our thoughts and prayers to Tarleton, Tarleton head coach Billy Gillespie. Uh, the Texans put out a release that he is out indefinitely. Um, I know that he missed the SoCal challenge because of a medical um, circumstance. So I'm not sure what's going on. I haven't uh, received any you know, news on that, just that he is out indefinitely from their release. Uh, so prayers, West, well wishes, all kinds of thoughts going out for the old ball coach uh, for the Texans. Joseph Jones will take over as head coach during Gillespie's absence. Um, the Texans went 2-0 at the SoCal Challenge, won the Sand Division. Corey Smith, you know, had a big week there um, in Southern California. So he averaged 22.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, was the tournament MVP. Um, and so, you know, they 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 did good things without their head coach on the sidelines. Can they do it again in Nacogdoches? I'm not sure. Um, Stephen F. Austin's not very happy. They won two games, beat LMU, and beat a good Drake squad at the Grand Cayman Islands Classic. But then they got throttled by Utah State by 30. They didn't shoot it well. Utah State was on fire, especially in the second half. Now they're back home. You get a pizza cutter. The first 200 people in the sawmill get a pizza cutter. SFA pizza cutter, I should say. Uh, so... I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what happens in this game. Two teams that like to get physical, that like to play defense, that like to play with pace. AJ Kajus has been really good. Day Day Hall is a matchup nightmare. Krishan Christmas, when I saw him in person, I was even more impressed with his athleticism and his ability and his strength. Uh, I think I think the Lumberjacks are going to win this ball game, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. The last two times these two teams have played, the home team has won, and one game was decided by six points. One game was decided by five points. So these teams know each other. They know how to play. They're going to get to the foul line. There's going to be a lot of fouls called tonight. Let's just be real. In the sawmill, there's going to be a ton of fouls called. Uh, I, I'm The advantage is to the home team here. But it's December, so who knows? And, you know, Tarleton always plays with a chip on his shoulder, maybe even more so now that they don't have their coach on the sideline, so they have even more to play for. It's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see what happens. If there's anybody out there listening, share comments, you know, share your thoughts, whatever you want um, as we go along here as we break down these games. But uh, tip-off is at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I mean, that's that's a lot for the first game of the night. So let's take a quick 30-second break, and we'll come back and break down, look at UTRGV and GCU. guys we're back let's let's take a look at this gcu and utrgv ball game it's the first trip out of the state of arizona for the lopes they are four and one right now and every game has been 
in and around the Phoenix area. So that'll be interesting to see. South Texas, not an easy trip, although they did charter a flight, it looks like, from their you know social media posts uh, through Allegiant Airlines, which makes it a little bit easier. Uh, the lone loss came against you know South Carolina in that Arizona tip-off classic last week. One of those games that kind of got away late from the Lopes. Uh, and the big thing was is, you know, that weekend, then those two games against San Francisco and South Carolina, they didn't get a lot of bench production. The other night in their win over North Dakota State, you know, uh, Sid Curry had a double-double off the bench. So there were some big things that, you know, they did well at home um, at GC Arena. So the big question is, can they do it on the road in a true road game? Uh, one of the few that GCU has on the schedule this year. Uh, we know there's one coming up in December uh, that they're going to maybe make it into a home game at Liberty. We'll talk about that on another episode. But can the Lopes do what they've done thus far this season and win by double digits against a, an opponent? You know, even though I have all the respect for UTRGV, I'm going to say it. they're sub 300 in Ken Palm right now. So can GCU keep up with the narrative and blowing out teams that they should blow out? That'll be interesting to watch. Ty and Grant Foster's been really good. Ray Harrison's been really good. Um, it's just one of those things where they should win by double figures. They should win easily, but you never know, okay? Playing at UTRGV Fieldhouse, it's a tough place to play for teams. And we don't – UTRGV has been so bad to start this season. I mean, they have five losses, all of them by 15 points or more. They're only – Two wins have come against non-Division One opponents, so they haven't beat a Division One opponent, and they haven't played a Division One opponent at home yet. So, what are we going to get from the Vaqueros? I, I don't know that they have the offense to keep up. They did lose, you know, Justin Johnston, you know, Justin Johnson from last year, Will Johnston, Adante Helm, and those were the three best offensive players last year. But could a surprise be in the mix with GCU playing its first true road game? I, it may be. I don't think so. Um, you, you just look at it, and these are two teams in very different spots right now. Uh, GCU wants to keep moving up and setting that stage for that Liberty game in December and making a statement that the WAC is theirs to lose this year. So I don't know that this is going to be close. I, I really don't. And I, and I say that with all due respect because I want UTRGV to do well. I like what UTRGV has. I like what they're doing down there in Edinburgh. I'm going there in January. So I just don't I just don't see it, though. They don't have the offense to keep up with the Lopes, and the Lopes play defense, too. So uh, it'll be very interesting to watch play out just to see what kind of mindset GCU comes in with in their first true road game. Let's talk about ACU at UT Arlington. This game's kind of interesting. Cinco Boone was an assistant at UT Arlington under Greg Young. You know, finished out the season under Snoop Johnson when Greg Young was let go. He returns home or back to Arlington, back to College Park Center, you know, where Shamar Wilson, Brandon Talbot, Aaron Cash are still there. So he's playing, he's going to coach against former players. He knows how good Shamar Wilson is. You know, Cinco Boone is part of the ACU staff now under Brett Tanner. The, the Mavs are coming off a bad loss to Texas State. Dejuan Gordon didn't play well. Shamar Wilson's been really good for the Mavs over the first month of the season. The question is, 
Who's going to score more points? We'll throw everything out the window. Who's going to score more points? Okay, ACU, I believe I, I had it written down here. They averaged something like 76 you know, or 70 points a game. UT Arlington averages about 76 or so. So, like, these two are two teams that can score. Keep an eye on Manny Allen and Dejuan Gordon. Gordon didn't start the last game, didn't even have a point against Texas State. Manny Allen, the team, the Wildcats' leading scorer from last season, hasn't really gotten going, hasn't really got going yet in this, you know, early month of the season. I I think those two guys could have a breakout night, but it's these two teams play with pace. They want to push tempo. They want to get up and down the floor. They like to shoot from the perimeter. This is going to be a high-scoring game, and there's going to be a lot of foul shots taken in this ballgame too because both teams foul quite a bit. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Like I said, I think this is going to be in the 145, 155 range in points-wise because I think there's going to be a lot of scoring at College Park Center. Let's take another 30-second break. We're going to talk about Seattle U and Utah Valley coming up. I have my interview from ESPN 960 uh, that – I did earlier today with Bryce Larson. So we'll take a 30 second break. All right, guys, we're back. I am going to play a little portion of my radio appearance today on ESPN 960, uh, the Valley Sports Show with Bryce Larson. Um, We talked about the Seattle U at Utah Valley game, so I want you to listen to that. Um, And you can share your thoughts if you have them. I haven't seen any comments come through. You can leave them on the YouTube page if you want. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of these live streams or any of our podcast episodes. Uh, it's always a good time. Like I said, we're going to have Daryl on here in just a little bit to talk about the women's games and maybe talk about the CBU-SUU men's game tonight in Cedar City. So give me just a second, and I'll bring that up for you. Uh, let's jump into that matchup between Utah Valley and Seattle U. Currently, ESPN Bet has uh, Seattle as a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Utah Valley. It's banner night where they are going to raise the WAC regular season championship banner and also recognize that team from a season ago that made that run deep in the NIT uh, last year. What do you what do you think about this matchup? Uh, I know you mentioned it's very interesting. One of the top matchups in the league. Let's break it down a little bit further here. So people don't know the series is tied at 13. Um, the last couple of games in Orem. So last year, Riley Grigsby had to bank in a three-pointer to kind of steal the win for Seattle U late. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was Morgan Means that went coast to coast with the layup. You know, as time expired to give the Red Hawks the win. Uh, in 2020-21, Trey Woodbury, you know, hit a three from the top of the key in overtime at the Red Hawk Center to give the Wolverines a win. Like, this series is so fun it's so entertaining and it's been so competitive over the last four or five years 
right? Like people don't understand this is an underrated rivalry that doesn't get enough pub because, well, we know people look at Seattle U as an outlier. Utah Valley, you know, they had a 28-win season last year, but they're a bunch of newcomers this year. So, I mean, it is it is crazy, you know. And the thing is, is Seattle U has won in Orem two of the last three times they played there. Uh, it was 87-85, 2019-20. It was um, 85-80 last year. So, it's just... You know, you got Cam Tyson on one side. You got Drake Allen, who played against Seattle U last year and who didn't like playing at the Red Hawk Center. So maybe he'll like playing at home against the Red Hawks this year in Orem. I just, I mean, these these games are so entertaining. And you, you just don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, Seattle U could win by 15 tonight. You know, if, if Utah Valley shoots as poor as it has in previous games this season. Or Utah Valley could light it up and Seattle U could struggle. Like, there's so many different variations of this ball game because both of these teams are pretty even, you know, on the on paper. I don't I think maybe the experience and the uh what's the word I want to say, consistency of the Red Hawks that they know their rotations, they know their roles may come into play and benefit them a little bit over Utah Valley. But I don't know. It, it, these, this is why I circle this game, because the games in Orem or any game between Seattle U and Utah Valley are always fun to watch because you just don't know what you're going to get. All right, you guys. That was my segment on ESPN 960 for the Utah Valley Seattle U Men's basketball game tonight taking place in Orm at the UCCU Center. And like I was telling Bryce, I mean, the series is tied 13-13. Uh, the last last year in Orem, Riley Grigsby, like I said, had to bank in a three-pointer from the top of the key to basically seal the win for the Red Hawks in Orm. It was the only loss at home for the Wolverines last year. So, and the thing is, Seattle U knows how to win in Orem. Like, it's wild couple years like i think it's 2019 2020 maybe that it was morgan means who went coast to coast in orem to win the game so these games come down to maybe the last four or five possessions at most you know it's just one of those series that is underrated people don't pay attention to because seattle U is a little outlier they're not really technically close it's not an in-state game but utah valley is closer to seattle U than most anybody else so even Chris Victor last year, when I talked to him before this series, he said that, that the Utah Valley is probably their biggest rival in this in this conference. So this is a big game. You know, you got a team that w- w- want to share the WAC title two years ago in Seattle U. You have a team who won the WAC title, regular season title last year. So you, So these two teams know how to win. I think the difference is, Seattle U has a little bit more experience. They have a little bit more depth than Utah Valley does. They've been together. They lost Riley Grigsby, Emeku Denny. That was it. They brought back everybody else. So how will that play a factor in Orem tonight um, when tip-off, you know, takes place 6 p.m.? Will the Red Hawks, you know, see the banner raising and, you know, be caught up in all that? Maybe Utah Valley will be on their own, considering that there's only two guys – 
technically that played a lot last year on the Utah Valley squad. They were even part of that, you know, 28 win team. I know that Trevin Lenhart was there and cash fields were there, but they didn't play a lot. So yeah, it'll be very interesting because there's a big, interesting dynamic going on with Utah Valley and Seattle U tonight in Orem. And just the fact that one team, I want to say both have been a little inconsistent to start the season. Seattle U has had some ups and downs. Uh, they should have beat VCU. That kind of got taken away from them late in the second half. But they've had some good wins at home. So we'll see what they do on the road in Orem. It's going to be a, a nice, I think it's going to be a packed UCCU Center, a well, well-attended event because it's Native American Heritage Night as well, plus the WAC opener. So they've been really promoting this game. So it should be a fun one. It always is between the Red Hawks and Wolverines. One of those games that you just love to have. So with that being said, let's talk about this CBU at SU game. I'm going to bring in Daryl here. We're going to talk a little bit about this because he's watched some CBU men's games. Uh, Daryl, how you doing today, big guy? Good. How about you, Kyle? I'm good. I'm good. We're just talking hoops. So CBU at Southern Utah tonight, 6.30 tip-off from the America First, 6.30 Mountain Time tip-off from the America First Event Center. I'm very interested to see how this game plays out because CBU hasn't traveled outside the state of California so far this season. This is their first true road game, kind of like GCU, right? Um, And then you have a Southern Utah squad that's coming off a win over Texas State, that same Texas State squad who just beat UT Arlington, and they're playing at home. uh, They – They've only played at home one time so far this season. They've been on the road quite a bit in November. Newcomers all around for both squads, right? Uh, We got Brayden Housley, who's one of the best freshmen in the WAC, leading Southern Utah. You know, he's their point guard. And, you know, you got Dominique Daniels on the other side for CBU, who's quick as a cat. I, I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see how this game plays out. Rob Jeter, new head coach at Southern Utah in his first whack game. Rick Roy, who's been at CBU forever, you know, he knows how this league ha- you know plays out, but you don't know what you're going to get with a new coach, right, uh, on the other sideline. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you're also looking at a game where this is a CBU team that has been in a number of games this year, close games. They lost that buzzer beater to Portland State at home. Um, that was a wild the, the, Yeah, the question is, can they finish and can they finish on the road? Yeah. When you look at the number of games CBU has lost in the WAC the last two years on the men's side, um, what is it, like 15 or something like that, I bet you half of them have been decided by, you know, 10 points or less yeah. in the final 30 seconds. Yeah. Agreed. The, the, the thing to watch in this ballgame, uh, both teams are loaded with guards, you know, Zion Young, Brayden Housley, uh, Prophet Johnson, you know, among others for Southern Utah, you know, Dominic Daniels, uh, Scotty Washington, you know, among others for CBU. The paint. I, I'm very interested to see what plays out in the paint. I think CBU has a significant advantage there. Nothing against Parsa Fala because he's been balling out for Southern Utah. But after Parsa Fala, there's not much there for the T Birds in the paint. You have Yvonne Udrago. Udra- Udra- I, I've heard Braden say that Braden Bell, the you know broadcaster um, from GCU, who is now in a CBU uniform. You've got Hunter Goodrick down there as well. 
And you got Malik Way that you can bring off the bench as well. So advantage Lancers in terms of the paint. I it's gonna come down to the guards. Like which guards are going to play better on Wednesday night. That that'll be the interesting, you know, thing to watch out for. I think I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see how it plays out because like we said, Lancers aren't great away from what's now the Fowler event center. Um, so I'm very interested to see how it all plays out for them in Southern Utah. And we saw one CBU team win down there last year. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens with the other CBU team. Do you think that the CBU men were there cheering on the CBU women last night? I might, I might have to check with Braden and doc and, and see if that was the case. I don't remember seeing that on the broadcast or on socials, but you know, in in a lot of cases, when one team is off and the other team is playing, that team that is off does go and cheer on the other team. Yeah. Um, and if I remember correctly, the the women's game was moved to Tuesday because of a facility conflict. Yeah, and then it's weird because these games, these whack games, usually it's the men playing in one place and the women playing in the other. So I wonder if there's something going on at Fowler Events Center. I'll have to check and confirm that because. One of the teams should have played at Fowler Event Center over playing in Cedar City. So um, it's a very rare thing where you'll see both the men and women's team in the same location playing a conference game this season. But uh, to that point, one name that I think for CBU fans to keep an eye on, or even Hoops fans, Brantley Stevenson, the Cal Poly transfer, he comes off the bench. He does some good things for the Lancers and Blondo Chiqueño. Chiqueño, I hope I said that right. I think I did. Um, those two guys have an immediate impact for the Lancers. So I don't know. I'm 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 very interested to see how this game is going to play out because both teams like to shoot the three. Both teams like to play with pace. Both teams like to, but both teams can slow it down too. Like they just play it can play to snail's pace as well. So I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I'm not sure it'll be as interesting. Well, I, I don't want to say as interesting. It will be as interesting as the women's game that took place at the American First Event Center last night in a title rematch from the WAC Tournament Championship game between the California Baptist Lancers women's basketball team and the Southern Utah T-Birds women's basketball team I, I'm going to say two things, and it might offend people. It might not make people happy. I'm not sure CBU came in with the right mindset to start the game. But I also think Southern Utah had a little chip on its shoulder because people are kind of doubting the T-Birds right now with the fact of who they've lost and who hasn't played yet and the struggles they've had. So I think that played a little bit of a big – I don't want to say a little bit – a big part in the start, maybe the first half, two and a half quarters of that ball game. What do you think? You know, playing on the road in this conference is never easy. Um, I think Tracy Sanders' team came out and really battled for three and about uh, three quarters and made it really difficult for CBU to get into their stuff. Um, but that you got to be able to finish in the fourth quarter, and that's where a team, you know, CBU with basically everybody back minus Trinity, San Antonio, Dorcas Wu, Brittany Clayman, still figured out how to put the pieces together and win. Um, what was it to start the quarter? Like a 12-0 run or something like that? 
um, the first couple of minutes basically put that game out of reach. Um, I have no doubt Southern Utah will play a role in the regular season race, whether they spoil somebody's chances at the outright title or knock somebody out of the top eight. I I just don't know when they're going to put the pieces together. Um, and, you know, Tracy Mason challenged her team with a tough non-conference schedule. And at one and five, when where are they going to pick up a Division One win at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're close. I, I just... They're missing that player, that one player like they had with Sharita Daughtry last year that they could put the ball in her hands and say, go get us a bucket or go create something out of nothing. Um, I don't think Dela Bellini is there yet. She's close, but she's not quite there. She's not quite the scorer that Sharita was. Megan Smith is dependable in the paint. Sam Johnson, you know, and you pointed out in your recap article that – They've struggled from three-point range. They were 8 of 28 last night from three-point range in a game where you have to hit perimeter shots to keep up with the Lancers. So um, they did it for a bit, but it just – they're missing a few pieces. They they miss Lizzie Williamson um, and her defensive presence, obviously. And Tamika Whitman, hopefully she gets back on the floor, you know, at some point in the next month or two. I will have to see, but – um, I, I no. think there's some good Ava 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 Ulrich Ulrich I believe yeah. is how Spencer says it. She was she's really good as a freshman. Like she she's going to be a great player for the T Birds going forward. Oh, and I even tweeted that during the game. Um, I, I, when we get to March, if she's not on the all newcomer team, I'll be, you know, completely shocked. And yeah. you know, Chloe Lemon's been off to an impressive start when it comes to newcomers for CBU. She had ten points. What seven of them in the second quarter when the game was still in doubt. Um, she's done some good things for Jared Olson. Um, but, you know, I want to look, you know, when we talk about the Lancers, you have to talk about, you know, Chloe Webb, yes, has picked up right where she left off, but so has Grace Schmidt. Yep. Um, you know, second team all whack last year, the postseason WBI MVP, first team preseason selection, 10, st- or, or what did I say, was six straight games of 10 points or more. Or no, 10, 10 straight games of 10 points or more. The last four of last year, plus the first six of this year. And, you know, we look at the collegeinsider.com poll. It looks like the Lancers broke through at number 25 this week. although and But did not receive um, votes by the AP poll, although there are a number of mid-majors receiving votes. So hopefully if the Lancers keep this up, the AP poll voters will start noticing that soon. So... I, I saw that the other day, and I'm still a little baffled at it, okay? When that came out, California Baptist was 5-0. and They had won two games on the road at UC San Diego and at San Diego State. And then they beat, you know, won three games, Long Beach State. I can't remember who the fourth one was, and then they beat Portland, right? So that Portland squad is an NCAA tournament squad. Like, they are very, very good. And I still have to wonder how in the world, and no offense to the Lopes, and this is not anti-GCU bias like some people want to say, how in the world California Baptist is behind GCU in that College Insider mid-major top 25 poll. And I say that because, one, CBU doesn't have any home losses. Two, I get and I respect that they played Oregon at home. I totally, 100%. And hung with Oregon. That GCU, they did, but you still have to win games. 
Like those are important, right? Um, you can't lose to a Montana at home. And the same, like somebody pointed out, GCU women have not gotten go. They they're they're just kind of cruising by right now. They had two big double digit wins this past weekend at at home, you know, in their MTE. So that was a good start. And I think they're going to get another one tonight. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But, like, they haven't been full throttle for a full game yet while CBU has, if that makes sense. I think the difference is, is with CBU, you have players who are back, key players who are back, Chloe Webb, Gray Schmidt, um, Nene Calhoun. Like, you just have players that are there, that have been there, that know the system, GCU still trying to mix in all these new players and figure out, you know, the roles and stuff like that. So it just, I, I told this somebody the other day, like it baffles me how these rankings come out. It's like, what am I missing? And what am I watching that somebody else isn't like, so teach their own. Right. So we'll, we'll leave it at that, but um, we're going to take a 30 second break, come back and we're going to preview the four women's games, Daryl and I, um, as we get closer to tip off this evening. Okay, so we're back. I got an update uh, about what's going on at the CBU Event Center. Uh, not the CBU Event Center. The Fowler Event Center on the campus of California Baptist University. It, it They weren't able to play there because there was a Christmas con- the CBU Christmas concert set up that's going on. So that's why both teams are in Cedar City this weekend. So, um, And then uh, the director of ops told me that uh, the practice time for – CBU was at the same time as the women's basketball game. So they weren't able to be at the America first event center to watch the women's game last night. So there's that. Thank you for that. Uh, I'll leave names out, but thank you for that text message. I just got, uh, so let's talk about these women's games tonight, Daryl, which one kind of sticks out to you. I know we got UT Arlington at Abilene Christian. We got SFA at Tarleton, Utah Valley at Seattle U and UTRGV at GCU. You go with yours first and kind of break down what you're going to, what you're looking for. I'll go with mine and then we'll break down the other two. All right. I want to start with that Tarleton SFA game. Last time out, the Texans scared the pants off of an Eastern Washington team that is also receiving votes in that mid-major poll and that is expected to win the Big Sky uh, uh, regular season title. And that game came down to a missed three at the buzzer from the left wing, uh, you know, no matter how many times Eastern Washington pulled away, Tarleton had an answer. And that was a good look, too, for from three. Like, that was a great look. Like, you want that look. Yeah, you'll take that look, se- you know, seven yeah. days out of the week and twice on Sunday. And, yep. you know, Bill Brock's team has com- consistently competed against Division One teams, whether they're Texas Tech from the Big 12, to, you know, to, to the Big Sky favorites. They have been in every single one of their Division One games this year, which has been really impressive. And if I'm not mistaken, somebody can correct me on the the Twitter if I'm wrong. I, 
Teresa De Silva did not play in that loss to Eastern Washington. So Ooh, I'll look that up. Keep talking. I'll look that up uh, right now. Um, the Texans have been hanging around people, and the only reason we voted them as low as we did, Chelsea Mendelson and I did in our preseason, is we did not know a lot about the group that was going to be around her. But this Texan team is going to find a way to be relevant. Will they make the top eight? That's a question that we'll answer, you know, in a couple of months. Yeah. But but uh, they will compete and they will make every team that steps on the floor against them this year earn their wins. They will yeah. not be a pushover. So to confirm that, Teresa De Silva did not play against um, Eastern Washington. So the leading scorer for the Texans did not play in a game that they lost, um, what was it, by two? Yeah, that was a three for the win. 64-62, yeah. So crazy. You know, and like you said, they, they hung with Texas Tech, lost by seven in Lubbock. They lost by nine at the pit against New Mexico. So those are good games, you know, and they had the Northwestern State game that was postponed, probably won't be made up because there was, you know, COVID protocols within the Northwestern State, you know, program. I, I, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Two new head coaches. Yeah, you know, and Leonard Bishop for SFA, Bill Brock for Tar Tarleton. Lots of new faces. You know, Kirsten Harden was the whack player of the week this week. You know, after what she did uh, in their wins, and then uh, I, I just I think it's going to be a battle. You know, it's going to be a battle at Wisdom Gym. Never an easy place to play. SFA has been up and down to start the Leonard Bishop era. You know, they've hung with some teams. They hung with Liberty. Uh, they're the, actually the only win that the Flames have, the Lady Flames have this year. Um, so this is going to be interesting. I, I'm very interested to see how this game plays. I like that you picked that game because it's there's a lot of intrigue with a Tarleton team that, what, won three games last year, three whack games? Something like that, yeah. And, you know, an SFA team that's still trying to find its footing and kind of get back to where they want to be. Uh, regularly, so we'll see what happens. You know, nice win for SFA uh, on Saturday against Rice at, in the Johnson Coliseum. You know, Rice out of the American Athletic, um, I believe, was preseason third in, in their poll. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good win for Leonard Bishop and company. The consistency, where you know, you, you have that last, you know, their last home game, they struggled mightily against North Texas. Yeah. Um, so what SFA team shows up is going to be the question there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Tarleton won two games last year in whack play. So this is an intriguing matchup. This is Daryl's intriguing matchup. I like it. I'm going to go with the UT Arlington at Abilene Christian uh, matchup. Sharika Wright's team finally picked up their first win of the season this past weekend against North Carolina A&T out at the – uh, St. Mary's, you know, Invitational, MTE. Uh, Julie Goodenough's team picked up a win over Navy, where freshman Peyton Hole went for, what was it, 34, I believe? 30, 34 points on 9 of 16 from 3. Yeah, and she won WAC Newcomer of the Week honors for that performance. Uh, so this is a very, very, very interesting matchup because, like I said, uh, UT Arlington is coming off its first win of the season and ACU, I believe 
if I remember right, that was their first win over a Division One opponent. That's correct, Kyle. They hung with Towson the day before the Colonial um, regular season co-champions. It lost by like seven or something like that. But yeah, this yep, is their first. They lost by eleven to Rice. So they are. Yeah, they have one win over Division One opponent. UT Arlington has one win over Division One opponent. ACU. And I don't think did did uh, Addison Martin play in the Navy win? Yeah, she yeah, did. She she did. So yeah, she did. Double you know, double. ACU has Addison Martin, uh, Aspen Thornton, Bella Earl. You know, all returned from last year. All starters from last year. UT Arlington doesn't have any starters back. You know, and Sharika is still trying to get everybody into their role. Um, Avery Brittingham, we know we know from SFA and T- Talia Clark, Talia Clark from Seattle U. So this is an interesting matchup for me because neither one, I, I want to say UT Arlington, they haven't played particularly well up until this St. Mary's trip last weekend. And ACU, we don't know a ton because we haven't seen them a lot, if that makes sense. So we know that they have a good, a really good freshman in Peyton Hole. Um Addison Martin, they call big country. So we know that they have some experience and leadership there. Uh, I just, I'm very interested to see how this plays out with two teams that are still trying to find their footing. I feel like in this 2023, 24 season. Yeah. And uh, for UTA, you bet you're not going to find a tougher non-conference schedule to find your footing in than the one Sharika Wright put together. I mean, what's next for them after this? Uh, was it Colorado, I think, in a week or two? Yeah. In Boulder. Um, they played Texas already. Those are two NCAA tournament teams from a year ago, two Power 5 NCAA tournament teams from a year ago. With a, you know, I- I'm betting that schedule was made with, you know, Star Jacobs still being there in mind. But still, yeah. you know, th- that's those are two tough non-conference games to figure out, not to mention... New Mexico State in that WAC CUSA. Are we using the term alliance? Oh, I don't know. Don't get me started. I would say just scheduling initiative because it's what they technically called it. So WAC CUSA scheduling initiative. And that's on New Year's weekend at, at the College Park Center. That's, you know, that, I mean, not to go past conference, but that New Year's slate of WAC CUSA games is really good too. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting that teams are going to have to play that game before they start uh, league play. So, um, yeah, very interesting. The other two games on the slate, let's get to those. Utah Valley at Seattle U and UTRGV at GCU. Utah Valley, uh, the women's team, is they're playing better. Uh, they got a road win over Idaho this past week, which was nice. Now they go on a true road trip to the Pacific Northwest where Skylar Young's crew has not won a game yet. They need to get him his first win. Um, but their schedule is brutal, too. I don't know where they're going to get a win. I think I wrote about this on our Substack page um, in one of the newsletters. Uh, Utah Valley, like I said, uh, the women's team is coming off uh, – they're coming off a win over Westminster and a win over Idaho on Saturday. Seattle U, like I said, hasn't won a game. So the question is – What's going to take place at the Red Hawk Center on Wednesday night between these two teams, Daryl? Boy, howdy. I don't know. You know, other than that lo- close loss on opening night to 
Cal State Northridge in Los Angeles. The Red Hawks have not really been competitive other than one other occasion. I believe it was against Washington last week. They got blown out by UC Irvine, blown out by Cal Poly uh, San Luis Obispo, both by somewhere around the area of 20 points. But they managed to hang around with Washington. So it, I'm, I'm curious to see which Red Hawk team shows up. For Utah Valley, you know, that was actually a really good road win against Idaho. Um, battling foul trouble. Allie Criddle had a nice game. Kaylee Bion picked up right where she left off from last year. Um, and Jenna Dick had a really nice afternoon, too. Um, the question is, can Dan Nielsen's crew string together two Division One road wins in a span of about, what is it, five days? Yeah. Luckily, it's in the same time zone. Yeah. And I luckily, it's... I'm, I'm wondering if they just went to, to Seattle. I'll have to find out about that. But, uh, you know, the interesting thing about it is, Last year, Seattle U swept both of these games against the Wolverines. They won 66-58 in Orem, and then they won 66-51 in at the Red Hawk Center. So that's something to keep an eye on. The Red Hawks like to shoot three-pointers. They're not big. Their roster's not big. So they have a bunch of guards. They like to get up and down. Um I mean, they just, it's just a matter of, I think, being overwhelmed sometimes, you know, with talent discrepancy or talent, you know, uh, gap or whatever, talent gap. That's what I'm looking for. So I think that's a big issue that Skylar Dunn is going to address. He will. He'll get there. You know, he's got a lot of holdovers from Susie Barkham's club last year in his first season as head coach. But I just think there's a big talent gap right now between the Red Hawks and other teams in the WAC. And Dan Nielsen's crew is healthy and they're deep this year, a little bit deeper than they were last year. So uh, Kaylee Bayon, Ali Criddle, Paige Gibb, you know, you mentioned it. I think, I think the Wolverines get, you know, a conference win right out, right out of the gate in the Red Hawk center tonight in, in the Pacific Northwest. I'm with you, Kyle. And when we talked to Skylar Young in the preseason, he said that you remember he said that they were going to be a space and a pace kind of team, right? Yep. So, in order to have space and pace, you can't be taking the ball out of your own net. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that's a lot of the issue is the fact that they're giving up points defensively, but they have to be able to hang with people on the offensive end. I mean, that Northridge game was what ninety one eighty two or something ridiculous like that that was opening night but yeah they had a lead for much of that game yeah so maybe the red hawks are still feeling a little bit of a letdown from that matchup on opening night but you got to shake that off and because whack play is is here and it's not going away yep yep they lost 81 72 to, to csu northridge in overtime and they had the lead i think csu northridge hit a shot at the buzzer to send it to overtime if i remember yeah. right so Correct. They should have won that game, and ever since it's been a, it's been a struggle. They lost by thirty-one at UC Irvine. They lost by twenty-eight to Portland at home. They lost by sixteen at Washington. They lost by twenty-five to Cal Poly at home. They hung around with Portland State at Portland State. Lost by seven. So that's a good thing on Saturday, you know. But got to get over that hump. Got to get over that hump in the whack play, especially with the fact that only eight teams go to whack Vegas, and it's all based off of your conference record. 
your your win loss record in conference play. So this is where it starts. Who's going to get a leg up with that first win? Who's going to fall behind with that first loss? Let's talk about the final game of the night on the slate. UTRGV at GCU. Right now, UTRGV sits at 0 and 5. Excuse me, on the season. They've really struggled out of the gate. GCU, 4 and 2 overall. Their loss is coming to St. Mary, or not to St. Mary's. They won on a buzzer beater against St. Mary's. Excuse me. Coming to Oregon and Montana at home at GC Arena. Um, so they've also beat St. Mary's. They won that on, you know, Nadia Evans' crazy three-pointer to win the game to start off the season. They beat, they won at North Dakota. Um, they beat Fresno State and they beat Nickel State this past weekend, really in dominating fashion like they should have. I don't know that this game is going to be close, but then again, the way that GCU starts games, or at least what we've seen so far this season, it may be close for a half, and then GCU just takes over in one of the you know third or fourth quarter and pulls away. Yeah, Nichols and um, Fresno were both around for about a two two and a half quarters ish, and then the Lopes, you know, turned it up and pulled away for nice wins at the end. Um, and you talk about UTRGV, you know, the Vaqueros may be Owen. What did you say they were Owen five? But they've had a couple of close losses. They lost to Texas State by, I think it was one, and then Oral Roberts by a possession or two um, among the notable scores on their ledger. So they've been in games. Again, it's a question of can you finish? And, you know, Lane Lord was really excited when we talked to him in the preseason. He had a lot back from last year. You know, Ayanna Dorsey, uh, um, Deborah Ugayemi, the post player, um, among others, um, Charlotte O'Keefe, who had a really nice campaign also. Um, he was really excited about this group, and so far they haven't had a win, a, you know, a win at all to show for it. Um, but this would be a heck of a way for them to break through in the win column. I just, I, I don't know that they can handle the GCU pressure well enough to keep themselves in this game. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. I'm sorry, you guys. My camera went out. This is crazy. Um, and I can't get my camera to, to work here. So I'm trying to work with this. Uh, I don't know why my camera completely went out. Um, hopefully I can get that back online. There we go. Uh, that's very strange. I had to change from one camera to the other. This is very, very strange, Daryl. I'm not sure what happened here with this camera, so I'll go back to this camera. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, guys. Uh, kind of weird how that worked out. I'll have to figure out my camera situation soon. So with that being said, uh, let's talk about – I'm on I'm on board with the fact that GCU is going to route UTRDV tonight. I just think it's going to happen. Trinity San Antonio is going to go off. Um. Yeah, and Olivia Lane's going to have her way in the paint. So I just think that this is going to be one of those games that going to be pretty ugly. No offense to Lane Lord and the Vaqueros. I just don't they, – they haven't shown me anything to say otherwise, right? Like they, they just haven't this year, and I'm sure Lane Lord would be the first to tell us, yeah, you're probably right. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that that's – you know, 
that's a tough matchup for a struggling team to open up with in uh, GCU, uh, you know, the preseason favorite to win the regular season championship. Um, and that, that loaded team that Molly Miller has, you know, reloaded in Phoenix. But, you know, somebody had to start with the Lopes, and you know what? You start with a team that's at the top. Maybe you start, you know, you get the easier, you know, the teams that are towards your half later on, and you can stack some wins together, and uh, all you got to do is get to the top eight to get to Vegas. Yep, yep. So we'll see what happens with all that. Uh, so just a heads up again, the women's game tips off. It is uh, UT Arlington at Abilene Christian at 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. And then on the men's side, uh, I'm trying to get to it here real quick. On the men's side, the early games, it looks like Tarleton at Stephen F. Austin, Grand Canyon at UTRGB both tip off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Um, Adeline Christian, UT Arlington tip off at 7 p.m. Central Time. And then Utah Valley um, and CBU at Southern Utah both tip off at 7.30. Or Seattle U at Utah Valley tip off tips off at 7 p.m. Central Time. California Baptist at Southern Utah, 7.30 Central Time, 6.30 Mountain Time. So a lot of basketball going on tonight. Looking forward to it. Maybe we'll have a post-game recap, you know, checking out things. Um, I'm very disappointed that my other camera wasn't working. I don't know what was going on with that. I don't know if it got too hot or what. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have at it. Daryl, appreciate the time, everybody. Thanks for checking in on us. Thanks for, you know, tuning in. Remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss these live streams these live preview shows and these live recaps we'll be here every day 12 30 uh to just talk whack hoops in general we'll have other guests on as well but uh for myself and daryl and everybody else enjoy the games tonight and uh we'll see you on the next episode of the straight out of whack live stream thanks for listening to the straight out of whack podcast You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow Wack Hoops Nation on all your favorite social media platforms.